1: Another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney. Justin, uh, Whew. yeah,
0: yeah, I think that about <laughs> describes it actually. <laughs> wow, what a game. I did not see that coming. I could see San Francisco winning that game, but not in the fashion that it occurred 34 3, 31 point loss at home. Really, really a reality check for Jacksonville. It,
1: it, it was definitely that. It was definitely a reality check. So there, there's a couple of things that as we kind of try and figure this game out that I, that I think we got to go through step by step, right? All right, uh, l- let's start off with the 49ers completely outclass the Jaguars. Every I mean, way. There's no, there's Every no way. way around it. And the 49ers are a Super Bowl contending team. Everybody kind of knows that. They were kind of penciled in as one of those teams before the year. Uh, and it, at this point, when the Jaguars have played contenders outside of Buffalo, which I, I
0: think that that was a very good win, Jaguars haven't played real well. Right, and and that's a big thing to be concerned about. And um, and I'm worried about the offense. And I, I've said on our um, Teal the Show Plus, I've said on this podcast numerous times that it would be cause for concern if Jacksonville was about that midseason point, playing with a full roster. Um, if, if we're still seeing these inconsistent performances after the bye week, then I would be concerned. And I am officially concerned in games against – uh, the Chiefs in games against the Texans, who are far better than uh, I think anybody, I, certainly me, expected them to be at this point, um, they have played terribly. And the offense has been a big reason for that. And I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's being a prisoner of, of the moment and, um, and saying that the offense could torpedo this season if it does not pick up the pace. I know it's one game and I know it's, um, you know, I, I know it's, yeah, yeah, bad loss. Yes, no way to sugarcoat that. But um, I am worried because this is, is not just a one-game blip. This offense has struggled since week one um, somewhat consistently. Somewhat consistently they have struggled since week one, uh, and the defense has been shouldering the load. I know it got away from them on Sunday, but I'm worried about this team. I'm worried that the offense is is regressing – um, and, and not going to be able to carry the rest of load. The second half, the second half of the schedule is tough, Jamal. I mean, it is not a uh, not a cakewalk, especially when you factor in the Titans game. Um, you, you could maybe split against the Titans and be okay, but the Texans game worries me, and I think they are going backwards as an offense, and I'm worried about them.
1: You know, I, I think it is a fair question to ask if the offense will figure it out at this point in the year. Look, they they've had it at moments but they haven't put together that full game. There have been bad turnovers. Mm-hmm. Those turnovers really caught up with them on Sunday against the 49ers. Um, look, I, I still just it, – it boggles my mind how an offense with Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence – cannot figure out how to score touchdowns. It's literally mind-boggling. It is. it is. And I know everybody wants to point the finger and say, ah, it's the offensive line, and I've done it too, and we've done it here. And the offensive line has not played great football, but here's the thing. It's basically the same offensive line from last year, minus Jawan Taylor, and you insert a rookie. And Jawan Taylor hasn't exactly been great right. for the Chiefs. All right. We so, saw that firsthand. Like, I, I it, it boggles my mind that they just can't see, they seem so out of sorts.
0: Right. Every week, it's something. And this is, to me, this is the offense from the first half of last year where things just did not click. There was always an excuse. Trevor was misfiring. Um, There were gaffes on the offensive line. But, you know, again, this is year three for Trevor, year two for Doug. Uh, And yeah, the offensive line, I mean, was Jawan Taylor that important to the offensive line that, Taking him out has just caused upheaval and disarray on this offensive line. I don't think so. I think Anton Harrison is is a downgrade for sure, um, and he's been abused in games like we saw against San Francisco, uh, certainly the Chiefs game. But he has not been terribly off from what Jawan Taylor was. So I, I don't know what's wrong with this team. I don't know if it's you know I know Press Taylor has drawn a lot of angst for the play calling. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but it's not clicking offensively and I do think it's a fair question at this point I've always said I'm going to reserve judgment on that offense until that bye week until they're playing with a full deck and still not uh, you know with Zay Jones being out it's not truly that full deck but I'm concerned I'm, I'm really concerned you know you should not come back from a bye week and and uh, and score three points uh, against a team that was coming in on a three game losing streak they unacceptable just,
1: they just looked flat and look here's the thing three losses this year right now they're in third they'd be the third seed in the AFC all three of those losses have come at home. That was the second home game of the year that they did not score a touchdown in. The second time this year. There's something about playing at the bank this year where the team doesn't play well. I asked Doug about it today, and Doug says, I really wish I had the answer for you. Yep. He, he just that, that was his answer. Because he doesn't know. In front of your home fans, at home, you should be better. And for whatever reason right now, they're not. And you know, I can make the joke about it being the fact that they changed the name on the side, Everbank Stadium or Everbank Stadium instead of TIA Bank Field. That it, but there's something up. There's something yeah. legitimately there. And I don't think they know how to put their finger on what it is. So if you can't figure it out, it's tough to fix it. Now the good news is they play much better when they're on the road. So as long as the games aren't in Jacksonville, they seem to be
0: okay. Yeah, and and, and I think it's it's fair, you know, I asked I saw Richard Sherman, his tweet after the game yesterday, and um, I don't think it's it's hard not to believe what he's saying. And, again, I know we want Trevor to be that guy and and that generational guy, and we've talked about that term as well, but maybe he's not that guy. Maybe Trevor will never be that generational player. Maybe he is just going to be a – uh, a good quarterback in the league, and that's his ceiling. Uh, but I've not seen it so far. It's tough to disagree with Richard Sherman. Um, that Trevor. This was supposed to be Trevor's year where he was taking that step, that gigantic leap forward, and we just have not seen it. I, I want to see Trevor from the second half last year confident, throwing the ball well, and for whatever reason, he has not been able to get it. He was skittish yesterday. Um, and I'm glad they got him out of the game when they did. He probably could have been pulled sooner. But is, 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 can Trevor be that guy? I mean, I think everything is on the table right now. I mean, year three, we want to see something out of Trevor other than he's just kind of a guy back there, and we have not seen it. Look, I mean, now we're diving
1: into a, another conversation. Um, yeah, I saw the Richard Sherman tweet. It was very strongly pointed and uh, a very strongly worded, I told you so. Right. Um, and it's tough to argue with him after a game that Trevor himself described as the worst game of his career. It is very tough to say, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about after a game that Trevor himself described as that. Look, I I get it. Trevor did not play well on Sunday, and he did not play up to the standard. And the offense has struggled. Um, I'm not waving the red flag on this guy. Um, again, I don't like the word generational. I just don't. I don't. I don't think. We're, I think we're taking it out of context by throwing out. There can't be a generational prospect every year. It's literally impossible. I think the word generational is getting thrown around way too loosely. I do believe Trevor is going to be in Jacksonville for a long time because he is going to be the guy that they entrust this franchise to. So the question becomes just how good is he going to be? Is he going to be able – is he going to be an average starter, a Mm -hmm. good starter, or an elite starter? I think currently right now with the pieces constructed, he's in the good tier. Right. Uh, Getting to the elite tier uh, is tough. Um, Can he get there? Possibly. Look, right now he has weapons, but – we're not seeing them really light him up in, and use those weapons. Now you can start asking the questions. We can dive into, ah, is it play calling? Is he hamstrung? Is he trigger shy um, about the turnovers? And we can have those discussions. Look, I think Trevor's fine. I, I'm not on the Richard Sherman now. He hasn't done it train because he has at times done it. I mean, we saw what he was able to do last year. You've seen the impactful throws. You've seen that happen uh time and time again. This year not as much. There's there's some l- lack of trust. We can blame the offensive line, you can do whatever. I, I, look, I'm not I'm not jumping off the bandwagon on the guy yet. I just like I don't I don't think it's time to rave the red flag for this team or rave the white flag. Um look, overall the Jaguars have three losses. They have three losses. Right. It's real tough. I I get it. It's easy to press the panic button. Overreaction Monday. We do that. Like, look, Trevor's going to be fine. I think Trevor is going to be a very good starter. Does he make it to the elite tier? I don't know. Normally there's about five guys that are there. I mean, even when we talk about Fred Taylor, who is, I think, without argument, the best running back in franchise history. Right. Right. Uh, How many years was he truly in that? top five at his position. Right, of in his course, year. and he wasn't that career, guy. He, he wasn't. He was, a, he a was very, very good. He was very good, and there's nothing wrong with being very good. Does Trevor get to the elite? It kind of depends on the other quarterbacks around the league, right? Right now, you know Patrick Mahomes is there. So that's one of those guys. It looks like Joe Burrow is going to be another one of those guys. And then how do you evaluate Lamar Jackson? He's playing like he's a former MVP. So I'd say he's up there with that. That's three. Like, how many guys can you truly consider elite? Every quarterback can't be that guy. I do think Trevor has all the talent to be that guy at some point. You still say the light should come on, the pieces should come together. There were problems out on the field that weren't just Trevor. Um, the, an offsides call, mm-hmm. that wasn't Trevor. Uh, there was one play where he made an adjustment, the receivers made the adjustment, they relayed the call down the line of scrimmage, and he goes to throw a screen pass, and nobody was there right. to catch the screen pass. That's not Trevor. That's somebody. There are pieces on this offense where guys clearly aren't, Maybe as assignments sound as they should be. And, I mean, even Doug kind of said in his press conference today where he doubled back and said, you know, it's we coach them up while they're here, but when they're at home, we need them to really be – what do they do All at right. that time? Are they going over their assignments? Are they doing that extra homework at home? And to me, like, again, this is maybe reading between the lines, trying to go to that gray area a little bit. Normally a coach don't say that unless he feels like guys aren't doing some of that, and you see those right. mistakes out on the field. You're at home. There shouldn't be a problem with the cadence to have an offside call. Right. At, 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 at the bank.
0: Right. You know yeah, what I mean? I so, get it. So
1: some of these things that are wrong with the offense are outside of Trevor's control. Right.
0: And I, my my issue is, you know, you, you see – you know, the Richard Sherman tweets, the generational, and, and Trevor has not played generational. I mean, we have talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago in here. When we think of generational, we think Patrick Mahomes, we think Michael Vick, we think LaDainian Tomlinson, we think guys like that. That's generational. Those are guys you see once every 15 years in the league come yes. along. Trevor is not that guy. So I think Jacksonville fans, national media, coming out of college, Trevor was billed, is that – Next year Andrew Luck kind of guy. He has not been that guy. He has not been that guy. He may never be that guy. He's not he's not Peyton Manning. We've we've seen that already. So um, does that prevent Trevor from winning a playoff game, leading them to, to to AFC South titles? No, it does not. But I think you have to almost adjust your expectations on what is expected demanded out of Trevor. I don't think he is in that cut of four top quarterbacks. I don't think he's Joe Burrow. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, maybe even not Justin Herbert. I don't think Trevor is in that chasm. But can he be a better version of a Kirk Cousins who can can get his team to the playoffs year after year after? I know this Jaguars fans don't want to do, but if you take your expectations down from he's a generational guy, and I think that has been just the knock on Trevor. He's not lived up to that generational tagline yet and again we're, we're two and a half years in Trevor Lawrence's career he's not been that guy I get what Richard Sherman is saying he's not down he's not ripping Trevor Lawrence he's just saying he has not validated that pre-draft hype, and it's tough to tough to argue with that I mean he's got nine touchdown passes six interceptions this year the offense has uh, underachieved significantly I think there are many reasons for that but I think if Fans and national media kind of temper their expectations a little bit on what, you know, if Trevor's winning games. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback, but is he elite? Not at this point yet. He's not elite. Um, and, and I know it's tough when you see a C.J. Stroud uh, across the uh, division lines, and he's having an unbelievable rookie season. He looked more of that kind of quote-unquote generational thing yet. But Trevor Lawrence can still win games in this league. Um, he can still lead this team to an AFC South championship. They did it last year with him. But something is just not right with this offense. And I'm worried that it could spiral and they will not find out what is ailing them.
1: I'm not going to let you run through. Did you just say Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins in the same sentence? I did. I did, did say. Is, that, was the, that was the way you wanted
0: to go with that. You're going to so, own that one. Uh, so, you know, again, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins? Cousins? He's a, Kirk is a – not now, obviously, but he's been a top 12 quarterback in this league for a little bit of time. Uh, so, all right, Look, let's so, – <laughs> If you're you know we've had this conversation last year if Trevor could get into that next cut of of quarterbacks in this league yeah um that would be enough to take Jackson over that line we we kind of set that line of demarcation about the 12th quarterback in this league and I would say Kirk Cousins is in that at his best Kirk has has been one of those guys top 12 top 11. I'm all here for a little Trevor slander right now.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm not on the Kirk Cousins Trevor St- uh, no 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 no. Look, if you want if if we we're going to sit here and say all right, let's look at the quarterbacks around the league, I would say you could look at a guy like Matthew Stafford. He was in Detroit, not an ideal situation. And things didn't always look like he was that guy, and people—I mean—but he put up solid numbers there in Detroit. But they lost a ton of games, and nobody was ever like, "Ah, Matthew Stafford, elite." But he was—he was solid there. And then immediately, the Rams were like, "No, give us Matthew," and they go on and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Wow, Matthew Stafford's very good." And the Rams are like, "We know, you know." I could see if you said something. You said Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, that's like an – that is an insult. All that right, is an – look, Trevor. Trevor is good. I, again, I just don't like the term generational because I think once in a generation is generational. The things that Patrick Mahomes is doing right now, generational. What Michael Vick was doing back then, generational. Ladanian Tomlinson, as you mentioned, generational. Micah Parsons looks like a generational player. Steph Curry, generational. You know, you see what I'm saying? LeBron James, generational player. There's not another guy like him out there. They don't build him like that. Trevor Lawrence is a very good player. I don't even know if Peyton Manning was generational. Like legitimately, he did things mentally around the football field that made him that that cut above other people. But physically, he wasn't generational. Very good, great player, elite player, no doubt. But what did did he? Re- how did he change the game? Some of the things he did on offense there were definitely there, and we could have the debate. I'm not trying to take in, take shots at Peyton Manning, but I'm saying generational
0: thrown around too much. Look,
1: Trevor's good. I don't know about taking shots at, at Kirk Cousins.
0: <laughs> Uh, like, uh, okay, like, let me let's <laughs> let's look at the guys passing wise better numbers right now right, than, than Trevor. Okay, and and, and and again, stats don't tell the whole total because there are guys on this list I would not swap Trevor for. Okay, okay. Sam Howell, number one.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they throw okay. the ball nonstop. Here, C- so here's okay, Sam Howell. You no, know, Trevor's better than him.
0: Okay, C.J. Stroud. Uh, look, there's a lot. I'll, I'll there. go. I'll go through the numbers first, and yeah. then you can weigh in. Okay, so Sam Howell, C.J. Stroud, Tua, Jared Goff. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith. Okay, I mean, we're getting down to the, the numbers here. Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, number-wise, he is an average quarterback this year.
1: Okay, what are the differences between him and Brock Purdy? Oh yeah, the life. supporting cast. No, in no, San no. i mean, what are the, What's the numbers difference between him and Brock?
0: So Brock is Brock's 15 touchdown, five picks. Uh, you know, decent, uh, better quarterback rating, obviously. Um, yeah, let's Just see yardage. Yardage. We're about so Brock's at 23, 29. Trevor is at 21, 20. Okay, so not a large difference. Right. So
1: here's the one thing that when I, when you were going through your list that the majority of those guys don't have that those two have.
0: They got ballers.
1: They have, a, they have elite <laughs> running got, backs right, and, that and, are taking the ball out of their hands. Because even Philadelphia this year, Swift is putting up some numbers, right? not necessarily elite. Christian McCaffrey and Travis Etienne are taking the ball out of their quarterback's hands. And, like, C.J. Stroud is throwing the ball 40 times a game. He has more attempts because nobody was doing anything running the ball for him. They had to do that. They were trailing in games. The Jaguars, on the other hand, went a five-game stretch where they basically had the lead. They were handing the ball off. They were like, Travis, look, take us home. You know? So there, there's not a whole lot. There wasn't call for it. Right. For him to have these gaudy numbers. Now, don't get me wrong. There was definitely space where he could have still had better numbers than what he has. But that's the part of where you kind of have to go into the box score and think, okay, do you give the ball to Travis in this situation, or do you throw it? If I give the ball to Travis, that means that's a less, one less play opportunity that Trevor has to throw the ball.
0: Kirk Cousins, 18 touchdown passes, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, I know you got Justin Jefferson, obviously. But, I mean, again, in Kirk Cousins is number 10 quarterback in that And look metric. what Josh Dobbs is doing up there. So, what's the der- – is it the system or is it the player? My my point on this is Kirk Cousins, number 10 quarterback in the league. And if Trevor could get to that consistently, into that, again, I think when you talk about making that jump from, you know, I remember before we started the season last year, Jamal, we had this conversation, like, where was Trevor going into year two? Yes. If he could get, he was in that 20, you know, that that mid to low 20 range in terms of quarterback. He had a terrible rookie season. Mm-hmm. Going to his second year, if he could make that leap into that top, 12-13. We kind of felt like if he could get to that that number, 12-13 range, that Jacksonville would have an exceptionally better-than-average season, which they did. He got into that mark. He finished 7th in MVP voting last year. But making that leap up from 12 to, say, that 4-5 range, which I think a lot of people, myself included, expected him to do this year— he hasn't been able to do that. So um, is that a failure on Trevor Lawrence's part? No, but he's had a disappointing season. And um, when I look at guys like a Kirk Cousins, consistent, you know what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. Nah, this is not a shot at Trevor, but, but Kirk Cousins has been that kind of that model of consistency. You knew Kirk Cousins' ceiling. Um, he's had, before he tore his Achilles, he's had a very good statistical year, um, and the Vikings were winning some games. But I think, you know, when you're talking about getting Trevor into that next cut, the the Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts kind of argument. He's just not there yet.
1: Look, if I gave you a choice and you're building a team and you were picking Trevor Lawrence or Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, which one are you? Of picking? course. Everybody's gonna take Trevor. Okay, so they're not every, then they're not the same. Everybody's player. gonna take Trevor. That, that's because Trevor's better than him. I think there are a lot of players you can put in his tier that you can say, all right, well, we can have a conversation. Kirk Cousins? Like, look, look, exactly what Josh Dobbs is doing up there in Minnesota shows you why maybe Kirk is a little – he's a solid quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's got Justin Jefferson up there, and he's in a really good system. right? But I get, what you're, I get where you're coming from. Trevor has to play better than he is playing. And right now he is playing down to a lower tier. But at the same time, we've had these same conversations about other players that are now playing better. To a tongue of Iloa, for right. instance. Had the same conversations about him just a year ago. Matter of fact, they've had some blowout leads this year right? where they've, they've that team has gotten schooled. It happens around the league. Teams have bad games. Trevor has to play better. Now, that brings us to, to one other thing. I think there's one other thing we got to talk about, and we've talked about it at times this year, and uh, it keeps kind of popping up as we kind of still try and circle the wagon on what's going on with the offense. Press Taylor. Right. Uh, is it press? I mean. That's a some, fair question. At some point, it, it it's a question that will continue to be asked until there is either a, a solution found or until they just figure it out. Because if it worked last year and press was called in the second half and Doug was called in the first half, and then now press is
0: called in the whole game and it doesn't seem to be working, where's the problem right and and it's a very valid question and I know people kind of say yeah press you know he was doing it in the second half of the game for whatever I mean NFL's a results based business mm-hmm. and it's it's I know it's black and white in a lot of cases but again go back to last season what worked last season why are thing's not working this season have teams figured you out I mean what what is the case you naturally should have been better this year and I know Doug Peterson said uh, said today that you know yeah the offense is good worked good and then he added the the little conjunction at times at times it's worked so okay why is it working so inconsistently? I mean you look Jacksonville's not had a four-quarter offensive game this year at all period defense has been winning games for for Jacksonville you thought after the bye week it would it would come back it would work Uh, but I again I'm worried I started the podcast and I said I'm worried about this offense I think it's fair to uh to say okay We've seen these hot starts before from teams and then kind of go in the tan, and I, I, I don't think I'm overreacting in a sense because I think this offensive issue has been going on from week one in Indy all the way till now. There's been just ups and downs, peaks and valleys for this offense, and it has been frustratingly inconsistent when you've added pieces to the equation. Um, it's frustrating that... That Trent Baalke at the trade deadline didn't go after a Chase Young. It's frustrating. There's so many well, issues to fix
1: the offense. That's
0: true, but I mean, in a chance to improve your team, you get a backup guard. Um, I-, I think there are frustrating things about this team this year that have kind of been there since week one, and I and I am worried. Yes, they're six and three. They control their playoff fate. Um, you got the Texans coming up in two weeks. That's going to be a huge game. But I'm worried. I'm worried about the offense. I think it's fair to ask: ten weeks in the season, can this offense get things? corrected in time and you don't want to have this season torpedoed because the offense can't get figured out
1: oh no and I think that's a fair assessment because look the offense has not um has not been rolling it's just not but I think part of that is and I've 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 said this when we were talking about the Texans a couple of weeks ago who I am still concerned about for the Jaguars sake but look there's there's something to being a first year coach and having a first year coordinator that has his own system that teams haven't seen. The book's not written on you yet. So there's not this like long dossier that teams can go through. They can go look at some of your former stuff at your last employment, but you have your own quirks, your own way of doing things. So the, that's why I keep saying, like, yes, the Texans are rolling, but the Giants were rolling last year, right?
0: Yeah, that, true. That,
1: that hasn't worked this year. Same thing. Minnesota was rolling all of last year. Early season, they struggled. Now they're starting to hit their stride and figure it out. But Kirk they Cousins. had to. Uh, without, Kirk Cousins,
0: <laughs> without Kirk Cousins.
1: Without Kirk Cousins. Without Kirk Cousins. But they, they had to make tweaks to their system. Right. Because teams saw it, figured it out, said, mm-mm, we got you. You did it last year. We've got this. You're good. Teams have seen what Doug and Press want to do with most of the players. The only new piece, really, is Calvin Ridley. Um, so maybe the book is written on that a little bit. Teams understand, like, for instance, what the Chargers did in the first half of the playoff game, how to kind of slow them down, frustrate them. The defense has been carrying them because the defense, while they made takeaways last year, like how many of those great takeaways did we double back and say, well, the guy really made a mistake, but the ball just seemed to find him. Right. You know, uh, so now guys are actually playing those responsibilities where they're supposed to play. Josh Allen is finishing these sacks, so the defense has been able to take that next Step yeah, and I, really thought Trayvon, the I thought Trayvon Walker on Sunday had a fantastic. great game, had a great he, game. He played fantastic. But I think part of it is sometimes you got you to gotta smell your own stink. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you, sometimes you have to legitimately self-scout. And the hardest thing with football coaches, they are the most paranoid bunch, but most of them double down on their system. You know it here in Jacksonville because they ran that cover three into the dirt. It stopped working, and Todd Walsh was like, Mm-mm, we going to run this. Gus Bradley got fired. we going to run this. Yep. Uh, you didn't have the personnel for it. we running this. Right. And it didn't work. And coaches are that way. Doug has his offense. And maybe teams are starting to sniff it out. They're understanding what they want to do. Let's take it away and frustrate them. And then put them back against the walls. They'll make mistakes. Which... So far, the season has worked, but the defense has really carried them. And one thing that, like, Press said last week coming off the bye, he said, look, we've had bad turnovers, but luckily those turnovers haven't turned into points for the other team. Well, that's because the defense is playing right. great, playing out of their minds. That didn't necessarily come to fruition on Sunday against the 49 but they did turn the ball over four times. 49ers only scored 14 points. Right. And, so and it could have been worse. Yeah, the, I
0: mean, the defense yesterday, I know you see 34, but I thought the defense played well, and and kind of like the Texans game, you kind of just when the offense is, is sucking like they did, you kind of just lose hope and kind of yep. kind of kind of give up. And I uh, didn't say Jags gave up, but it you know when when things aren't working right on that one side of the ball, it's like guys, come on, you know how much can we do? And I think that's been the case in the, in the Texans game, and I think that was a case on Sunday. They
1: needed that spark, and it felt like they kind of waved that red flag when they did the reverse wide receiver throw right. to Travis. It was kind of like, well, we know we need a spark, too, so here it comes, and it didn't work. Uh, so, and, and and then they never were able to get anything going after that. I mean, they got the field goal right before the half and then came back out, and, you know, the 49ers went right down the field and scored a touchdown, that long pass to Kittle uh, to start the second half. So, th- there are 100% things in there that are were are fixable. Mm-hmm. They're they're 100% fixable. Like the touchdown to Kittle, Devin Lloyd was in position. Ball got there. He panicked. Um, You know, you got the field goal. Christian Kirk can't fumble on the five-yard line. Can't do that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence can't keep fumbling the ball when when pressure gets there. He knows that. The interception late, kind of get it. That was desperation. Tank can't tip the ball up. When he throws his way, I mean, I, I can't think of a worse rookie season for a
0: guy at this point who's he's, not playing many snaps. He but. has played terribly. I mean, I think he's got one reception this year. He's had two hit him in the hands that have been picked off. Um, I, I think you drafted Tank, and we were high on Tank after the preseason. He drafted him to be that guy, but um, I think Dearness Johnson is is number two right now. You, you, him. You, got, you got to You got to ride that hot hand, and Tank has been extremely disappointing for a third-round pick who is supposed to be that missing ingredient. So, so many things wrong with the offense. I just don't know where to start. Can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but it's disjointed.
1: Look, there's work to do. There's work to do. There's work to do. There's work to do. And realistically, I still think this team, uh, and I think this is where we kind of have to start talking big picture before we wrap things up. Um, Realistically, I still think this team is a double-digit win team. Look, the floor on the season is 10 wins. That's the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, unless things completely go off the rails, this team will win ten games minimum because uh, they only need four more, and there are four winnable games left on their schedule. Now, do you want? Is that going to be enough to win the AFC South? Right. That is the question because it does not look like it with the way the Texans are playing. You got one more game against them, and they have a cakewalk schedule mm-hmm. the rest of the way. So. It's probably going to take 12-13 to to win the AFC South. You got to win that Texans game, and you're going to have to beat Baltimore and probably Cincinnati. You can afford to drop maybe one or two and hope that the Texans make some stumbles along the way. Maybe the Titans get them once or twice. But the the Texans are breathing down their neck. They have a one-game lead on them, and the Texans own the tiebreaker right
0: now. Right, and that's... I've said it since that week three game. I'm worried about the Texans because I did not think they would be, you know, you had two two new quarterbacks in the AFC South this year. I thought Anthony Richardson would probably be a little bit better than C.J. Stroud. I thought the Texans were in almost a teardown rebuild, and they are absolutely killing it. Stroud has been extremely effective as a quarterback. I mean, he is unbelievable. Fifteen touchdown passes, two interceptions. You lead a game-winning drive against Joe Burrow and the Bengals on Sunday uh, to get to five and four. And they're going to be a problem, I thought, in the future. But, man, they're going to be a problem this year. I mean, that schedule is extremely navigable the, the, the second half for them. They could be looking at an 11-win season uh, in Houston and C.J. Stroud's rookie year. That's, that's what scares me is if this offense doesn't get going, I mean, we saw what the Texans did Week three here, 37 points. I mean, they've got the capability to put up some big numbers. So, that offense, as dysfunctional as it's looked, you're going to have to be able to score points to beat teams in the second half. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and right now they're not doing it. That's what worries me. Look, I, they have to get to
1: 12. I think they got to get to 12. To so win the AFC South, you have to beat the Texans in Houston, and you're probably going to have to get to 12 wins. I don't know that there's a way around it. Yeah, that's um, I think 10 might be enough to get you to wild card, get you in the playoffs, get you in the show. But I think 12 is going to be what they need to get the division. It looks like the Texans are probably going to be a playoff team.
0: Yeah, that's crazy to me to think. Yeah. That is crazy to me to think. I thought they were uh, a last-place team this year. I think everybody did. and I think everybody did. The Their offensive line was
1: in shambles. Uh, you got a rookie quarterback. The running game has been – Nothing at this point. Damian Pierce is banged up. They're turning to Devin Singletary, who had an unbelievable game Sunday. He played great, and he was a washout in Buffalo. Right. I mean, Nico Collins is playing good ball. He missed Sunday, too. Noah Brown was a Dallas Cowboys cast-off. Tank Dell's another rookie. Dalton Schultz was a tight end that thought he was going to get a big contract, didn't show up. The defense, they brought in a couple of the guys from San Francisco over to help, like, transition, and – it's just working. And Will Anderson isn't even playing great right, ball. Right. So look, the the Jaguars have their work cut out for them. I think the Texans, again, floor here, their their floor is probably about ten wins. Right, exactly. Um, and that's with stumbles. So the Jags have their work cut out for them. The the rest of the season. Every game matters, not just talking about, oh, if you want to try and get home field advantage or be the two seed. If you want to win the division, right. every game is huge from here on out because you have a one-game lead and the Texans beat you. right? So they, this Titans game must win, right? must win because you play the Texans the next week. And right. you don't want to go in there on a two-game slide with your records possibly even.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the Titans game, you beat them twice last year. That was nice to, to see. First time in a long time you swept them. Um, but, again, with with this offense as up and down as it's been, something is going to have to transpire. They're going to have to fix it somehow, uh, figure out what's wrong with them, and get back into that streak we saw last year. I mean, you're going to have to play – I think at this point with the Texans, I mean, considering the Texans schedule, the second half of the season, you're going to have to play close to perfect football down the stretch, just like you did last year. Uh, and I don't think it's, again, hyperbole to say you're going to have to figure things out quick or risk this season being one of the most disappointing in uh, franchise history.
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, I, like I said, I think floor is 10 wins. 10 wins is enough to get you in the show. Um, but probably not enough to win the division. So going to be some interesting things down the stretch here. They uh, could obviously upset that 10-win mark if they just keep stumbling and score three points every week. But three points is, uh, for this offense and the expectations, completely an, uh, an embarrassment. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think the players in the locker room after the game, you know, owned that. They were they were embarrassed. They were pissed. They were upset. Um, all the, All the emotions that they should have. After that, the the one thing that I didn't see was just acceptance, you know, um, which we've seen for in the past from some of those Jags teams, the locker room, they've just sort of checked out. This team is not checked out emotionally, so it's going to be an interesting stretch run of the season to see if they can fix it and start putting the pieces together, but the Texans are... I thought nine wins
0: would be enough to win the division uh, yeah. uh, but the Texans
1: is at not so fast so. yeah
0: I mean, when the when CJ playing like he is you're getting performances and production from guys like Tank Dell um it's, it's kind of reminds me of a Jacksonville team from last year where just the the storybook is there and you hope to knock them off track but man Texas Texans yesterday I mean, they're up 27 to 17. Bengals, with four minutes left, the Bengals get ten quick points to tie it, and then C.J. leads them on a a game-winning drive, and they kick a field goal. Um, so just a, a remarkable season for Houston, v- very ahead of schedule. So hopefully this does not turn it to, to Jacksonville last season uh, in Texas.
1: We're going to have to keep an eye on it. The Jaguars are going to have to go to Houston in a couple of weeks. This week they got the Titans. We'll have a, another episode of the News for Jags podcast coming your way later this week to kind of talk more about that t- uh, Titans matchup. Uh, which is a big one like I said basically must win territory right so uh, that'll do it for us here today thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time.